You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Hello, friends, and welcome and Merry Christmas. I know it's a little bit early, but it's never too early to say Merry Christmas. It is that season. We talked about it last week. It's the most wonderful time of the year, and not necessarily because of the circumstances that are going on in our life, because the light of the world has come, that God's gift to us, Jesus, was born. And we celebrate that on Christmas. And we have so much to be thankful for and so much to celebrate in the gift that Jesus is to us. As Christ followers, it doesn't get much better. Two really big days on the calendar. It's Christmas and it's Easter, and we're celebrating Christmas, the birth of our Savior. We're so glad to have you here with us today. However you're watching or engaging, if you're listening online, if you're watching um, right now live, wherever you're at, we're just so glad to have you here and just so thankful that you're a part of the Treeline experience and family, and we just miss you, and I just wish right now I could just give you a hug right now and tell you how thankful we are for you and how much we love you and miss you. And friends, we're just thankful for a better year coming forward and good things coming up. It's so much to celebrate with Christmas going on. And we've been talking about the light. And we talked about the light coming into the world. And the light shines the most in the darkness when God said, let there be light. And God is light. And as we celebrate this Christmas season, the light of the world coming, we're going to continue that and actually wrap this up. If you missed the first two parts of the series, I really encourage you to go back, take a watch, take a listen. I really believe there'll be an encouragement to you in this season, especially with the challenging year that we've had in 2020. Can we all just take a collective sigh? Just... You've made it. You've made it to the end of the year. You've survived through 2020. Um, Just so much to look back for, so many challenges, but so much still to look forward to. And um, today we're talking about the Christmas story. And I don't know if you've heard of this book before. It's a pretty common one, and it's a little bit older book. And it's called All I Really Need to Know. I learned in kindergarten. It's a great book and it gives some examples, some stories. The book title is pretty telling. It tells some examples of things that he learned in kindergarten that really apply to the rest of your life. And he said things like share everything. That's something you learn in kindergarten that you've got to do. You learn to share and you still got to do that your whole life. How about this one? Clean up your own mess. Some of us would like our children to learn that beyond kindergarten. Some of you are looking at your spouse right now and be like, they're a roommate and be like, that'd be great if you learned that lesson in kindergarten. Let's keep doing it. It says, take, don't take things that aren't yours. Or how about this one? Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. And one of my personal favorites is flush. You've got to remember to flush when you're done doing your business. You learn these things in kindergarten. It's something that you got to apply to your whole life. So with that thinking and that idea, we kind of stole this idea. And, and we're not talking about what we learned in kindergarten, but the title of today's message is Everything I Need to Know I Learned from the Wise Men. Now, the Christmas story is really amazing, and you might be a little bit familiar with it. And we're familiar with the nativity scene and the different characters that show up. And there's kind of some subplots and some sub-characters who are involved in the Christmas story. And we we see them there all gathered around Jesus in the nativity scene. And and we think see the shepherds and the angels and maybe some livestock and other animals that had a front row seat to the Savior of the world being born. But then there's also the wise men, the magi, who came from the east. And now, if I were to ask you how many wise men there were, you'd probably 
probably spout off right away that there were three. Well, spoiler alert, we really don't know how many there were. It just says that they were wise men, not how many. We just know that they had three gifts. But I'm kind of getting ahead of myself in the story. Don't want to get too far ahead and provide too many spoilers for you. But we're so excited in this Christmas story that Jesus entered the world. We get to see these people, these wise men who sought after Jesus. They saw the star in the sky and they, they begin to study this astronomy and begin to follow it and search out the Savior of the world being born. So we jump into the story in Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. And so they go out of their way. They make this long trip. They travel. They do this journey so that they can come find the Savior of the world who is born. They've come to worship him, to find him, to seek him, to, to bring him gifts. Now, it says they came from the east. And honestly, we're not exactly sure where they came from. Scholars have all kinds of guests. They maybe think that it was somewhere... Um, uh, you know, somewhere out further in Southern Arabia. Maybe it was some people who were in the remnant of Babylon um, and, they, and they came from there. We don't really know, but here's what's really impressive about the story. At this point in world history, people, when they were born, they typically never traveled outside of a 30-mile radius. That's it. Wherever you were born, you traveled maybe a 30-mile radius. You didn't go very far. Now, for us, if you're in the southwest corner of Allegheny County, just outside of Pittsburgh like we are, um, if you made that 30-mile radius, you'd be going just about west as far as Steubenville, right? You're over in the, just across the Ohio state line. You make it just as far north as Beaver Falls, maybe just as far as south as Waynesburg, and you go all the way out east almost to Greensburg. That would be your 30 mile radius. It wouldn't be very far. You wouldn't make very, you wouldn't been very many places. You wouldn't experience a lot of different cultures. That's just what you did. You just didn't travel far outside of that circle. And so it's really impressive to know that they estimate that these guys made about a thousand mile round trip to seek out Jesus and worship him. That is pretty substantial. And to make it even more amazing, they did this while they were on camelback, that they were riding on camels to do this. That's a really big deal. They went really out of their way. So when you have that context of seeing that people really didn't travel much out of that 30 mile radius their entire life, and these guys do a thousand mile round trip to see the newborn Jesus, it's pretty intense what they went through to seek after God and find the Savior. And so with this story and with this idea of all we needed to know, all we need to learn is what we learned from the wise men, there's two things that I want to give you today, two ideas that I want to unpack that I think will really help us. They might seem really simple at first, but honestly, I believe they can really be a game changer for us as followers of Jesus. The first one is this, wise men or wise women go out of their way to seek God. Wise men and wise women go out of their way to seek God. Just like we read here, these wise men went way out of their way, way out of their comfort zone, out of their normal, in order to come seek Jesus and worship him. And so to flip this on the other side, to give you an idea, Bethlehem is only about only about six miles from Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Jerusalem, six miles. And so the religious leaders there, the people who were supposed to be following after God, who would have known the prophecy that came from the prophet Mike in Micah, who said, hey, there's going to be the Savior, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. All they would have to have done is walk these six miles. It would have just been about a two-hour walk 
That's it. That's all it would have taken for them to go. And they didn't even do that. They didn't even just make the two-hour walk in order to go see and didn't even hop on a donkey or a camel and it had been even less time. They weren't willing to put any kind of work in there. But see, wise men and wise women, just like these people, all these years ago, we are willing to go out of our way well beyond convenience, well outside the norms of comfort in order to seek God and worship Him. See, what is true all these years later is that many people are only willing to follow after God to the point of inconvenience, to the point where it actually costs us something, and then they'll go no further. And make no mistake about it, friends, there, there is a price to following after Jesus. There is an inconvenience that comes with it. There are some things that we will have to lay down in our life. There may be some choices or preferences or things or habits or whatever it is that we have to lay down, that we have to give up. But I know one thing is true. That no matter what you give up, no matter what you lay down, no matter what inconvenience that you face in order to follow after and seek God, it will always pay dividends in the end. It will always, anything that you give up will pale in comparison to the rewards, to the riches, to the life, to the joy that we experience in that life that comes from following after and seeking God and laying down our life for Him. There's always a much greater return on the investment, on whatever we put in on our end. Hebrews eleven six says it this way, It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. Don't you love this? That God rewards those who earnestly, who, who sincerely come after him and seek him and find him and look for him. Matter of fact, the Bible says it like this, that if you seek me first, if you seek God first, then he will add all of these things to you. We kind of flip the script sometimes, or maybe is that just me? It's like, God, I want you to add all these things in my life. Here, here's my laundry list of things I need you to do. And if you kind of come through on that, then I'd be happy to seek you. But that's not how God works. God asks us to seek him first, that even if we don't see the things that we want, even if we don't get the answer to the prayer, even if it's not coming through the way that we thought God should work or the things should work out, that we still seek him and we put him first. And that's what these wise men did in the Bible. That's what happened in the Christmas story. They weren't sure how long. They didn't know how far it was going to take. They just began to seek him. They saw the star. They did all the astronomy. They got the charts. They figured it out. They loaded up the camels, got everyone ready. And they went out and they did. And I, maybe it's just me, but I'm incredibly impatient. That would be really hard to do. If we could be honest, can we just all agree that these guys did not have their kids with them? Like, can you imagine? It'd be like the first instance, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? No, we're not there. And they've been turning around. I will turn this camel around right now if you don't stop. I mean, they would just been terrible to have their kids on this trip with them. But they were so patient. They were so sincere. They were so intentional in their effort to seek after the Savior of the world. I've said this before. If you've been me around me any length of time, you've probably heard me say this, that we've got to do hard things. And anything worth doing is going to be uphill. Anything that has any kind of reward is going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. It will inconvenience us. I experienced this this year through the pandemic. 
at the very beginning of the pandemic, towards the beginning of the year, I had some uh, pastor friends of mine, Pastor Zach and, and Chris, uh, they, they said, hey, we're going to go ride bikes together on the trail. Do you want to go ride? I'm like, I don't have a bike. Um, so I found someone that I borrowed a bike from. Um, and I was like, you know, don't expect me to be able to do much. I literally had not really ridden a bike since I was a kid, not even like teenager, like elementary age. That's like when I was riding a bike. And I was like, I don't know. I might be able to do a couple miles. Don't hold your breath. It's probably going to be pretty painful. And they were patient with me um, and they, you know, let me set the pace and all that good stuff. And we rode a few miles that day and was awesome and did a few more times and found out it was something that I, I really enjoyed doing. And so after I rode that borrowed bike for a while, I got my, my own bike and started riding on a regular basis and really enjoyed it and enjoyed the exercise and enjoyed that time and just maybe some time to reflect and pray. And it's just really good for me. And so as I began to do that and begin to ride, ride more and more, I, I ride a couple trails in the area. And one of my favorite trails is the Montour Trail. And so one um, Saturday late into the fall when the leads had already started to fall and call, call all over the trail, I actually rode the entire trail all in one day. And that, that was 50 miles. And that might not seem like a big deal to you, but to me, <laughs> if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that I would have rode 50 miles by myself all in one day, I would have told you, There's cra you're crazy. There's no way I can do that. But there's just something so amazing about accomplishing a difficult and challenging goal. There's something so amazing when you do something and you come through the other side and you do that, it's so rewarding. It's so amazing. And I think this is true with the story of the wise men. I think the story would read a little different if they didn't travel from afar. If the story went, there's a couple guys across the street and they crossed the road and they brought Jesus some stuff. I don't just maybe it's me, but I don't think the story would quite have the same ring to it. I don't think it would be quite as amazing to see what they went through to be able to come and find Jesus. And the same thing is true in the relationships in our life. We have to ask ourselves, how much are we willing to inconvenience ourselves for the other person? Maybe for a marriage or for a friendship or for a child or whatever the relationship is. That's a pretty good marker and indicator how much we're really there for the other person. How much are you willing to inconvenience yourself for the other person in the relationship? It reminds me of a story when I was in college. I went to college way out in Tulsa, Oklahoma, out in the middle of the country. And it was a thousand miles I remember clocking it on my odometer in my car, and it was from the driveway in my parents' house to when I would pull onto campus, that odometer would roll 1,000 miles almost exactly every single time. It was amazing to see that. And so it was pretty far from home. And I remember there was a few times where, especially earlier on in you know, my freshman year and sophomore year, where you're still trying to get your legs, you're trying to figure things out, being so far away, not knowing a single soul when I went out there. It was so challenging. I remember my freshman year, my parents came out and surprised me and drove the whole way through, all through the night and surprised me and showed up to see me at college. Can I tell you how much that meant to me? I know I had to play it cool because I'm a, you know, I'm a young adult at this point and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a hardened young man and it's, you know, it's just cool and it's, hey, what's up, mom? But it meant so much to me. I just have this vivid memory of seeing them pull up in the car and seeing there and seeing my dad driving and my mom sitting there with her pillow on her lap and just they had drove all night to be there and see me and how much it meant to me that they would inconvenience themselves so much. And they had a bunch of kids, right? There were five of us that they would leave that and just make some time to come see me and spend time with me. It meant so much to me because they went so far out of their way. Friends, if I could put a challenge out for us this year, could we look for some ways to inconvenience ourselves next year for the cause of Christ? What does that mean? What does that look like? Maybe it looks like stepping out and leading a small group, finding some people who you can lead and, and connect and help them grow and learn about God and connect with each other. 
Maybe it looks like when things open up, beginning to serve in church on Sunday morning and one of the many teams and ministry opportunities we have. Maybe it looks like serving in a homeless shelter or finding some people who are in need in our community. Or maybe it looks like opening up your home and fostering some kids or mentoring a child or a teen who needs someone to love them in their life. Maybe it looks like taking the challenge and making steps towards tithing. Nothing will inconvenience you like saying, I'm going to take the first 10%, the first of my income, and I'm going to give it to God. Maybe it's getting up early and praying and spending time with God and getting a daily habit and routine and those spiritual disciplines in your life. Maybe it looks like for you making your children's spiritual life a priority for your family. I don't know what it is, and there's so many different ways that we can go, but could we begin to look for ways to inconvenience ourselves for the cause of Christ in the next year? Because if I know one thing is true. We inconvenience ourselves for the things that we love. I know this is true. See, I told you that I lived over a thousand miles, just a thousand miles miles away from college. We would road trip it all the time. I very rarely got to fly in an airplane. We would just drive that bad boy back and forth all the time, man. It was crazy. You just get in there, you just drive all night. The only stops were for gas and then also for food, right? Because God, you got to snack the whole way across the country. If you're on a road trip, you got to have some epic snacks. And I, I remember um, we would drink Snapple Rain, which I don't even make anymore, but I just loved it. It was Snapple Rain, this clear drink, so amazing. Shout out if anyone's ever heard of that or had it. So sad when they discontinued it. But then the other thing that we would always get were combos. Now, not just any combos. God's chosen combos, the pizzeria combos, not the pizza, pepperoni combos in the red bag. No, I'm talking about the pizzeria combos in the green bag. You know what I'm saying? Pizzeria combos, someone. This was the snack for our college transportation in that car all those years ago. And here's how much we loved them. When we got to Tulsa and we were there one night, me and my roommate who lived in Pittsburgh, Jared, we would drive back and forth eating these combos all the time. We were addicted. And so one night we're in the dorm. We're like, hey, let's go get some of those combos, man. We're jonesing for some combos. We got to go and get them. We needed an intervention. So anyway, we get in the car. We go to the first convenience store. I don't know what's going on in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They didn't have any. So we begin driving out and we get further and further and further. I'm not kidding. I'm not exaggerating. Jared can back me up. We drove for hours. I don't even know how many umpteen stores, grocery stores, convenience stores that we went to in the middle of the night trying to find these pizzeria combos. And alas, we could not find them. But you cannot say to us, that we didn't love pizzeria combos. We went way out of our way. If that example doesn't do it for you, and honestly, my wife got me these. She's found these um, at Walmart in a little box, and so you know my wife knows me and loves me because she got me some pizzeria combos. So you're like, come on, Brian, just stay with us. It's Christmas. Let's just, you know, give me some grace. It's, we're having some fun. And I know if that story doesn't do it for you, when we lived in Indiana, we had a family friends there who, you think you love black and gold? You love the Steelers? They love the Steelers. How do I know this? Because they had season tickets and they would drive 300 miles one way to go to every home game for the Steelers. I mean, you think you're hardcore? Drive 600 miles round trip every time they play a home game, let alone the commitment to have the tickets and the financial investment and driving and the time. There is no doubt in my mind they are hardcore and that they love the black and gold. They love the Steelers. We will go out of our way. We will inconvenience ourselves to all kinds of levels for the things that we love. 
Matter of fact, the staff and I have been joking through a text thread that we're going to go drive to Bojangles. Some of us from the north, you don't know what Bojangles is. Let me change your life. Bojangles is this amazing fried chicken place, fast food. It's so good with sweet tea flowing like milk and honey. It's amazing. And we went on a trip together as a staff down south and we stopped at several Bojangles on the way up and had way too many calories and sugar and caffeine. And so we were joking about driving. We found the closest ones in Maryland and we're going to make a staff road trip there sometime because why? We love it. And when you're willing to inconvenience yourself, it shows you how much that you are in it, how much you love it, how much you care about it, what you're willing to put yourself through. There's a really interesting story that Jesus tells the Sermon on the Mount and people reference it all the time, and it's probably one of the greatest sermons ever because Jesus gives it. And there's so much richness that he pulls and he shares. And one thing that you might miss in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus says, he says, if someone compels you to go one mile for them, go the second mile. And at face value, that might not seem like a whole lot, but when you unpack historically what that meant, see, at that time, they were living under Roman rule. And the Roman rule in the military would have been seen as the enemy. They were the oppressors. They were people not enabling them. They were pretty much had them under their thumb. It was not a great experience. And during that time, the Roman law would allow them that if a Roman soldier saw you, no matter who you were, if you were a Roman citizen or not, and they said, hey, I need you to carry my stuff. I need to carry my bags. You would have to, by law, obligated to carry for them for one mile. And Jesus is saying, if your enemy, if someone you don't like, ask you to go that one mile, don't, don't give them just the one mile. Go ahead and do the second mile as well. And I love this idea that Jesus talks about inconveniencing ourselves. He said, even inconvenience yourself for your enemy, someone that you don't love, someone who doesn't have your best interest at heart. And I honestly think in this year in 2020, with all the division, all the divisiveness, all the words, all the stones that we've been throwing, all the just craziness, the intensity, and everyone with their opinions and the hatred that has just been so intense online and social media and the news cycle, that maybe we could see a little bit of this and take an example from what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. It's not even just necessarily inconveniencing ourselves for the people that we love, but inconveniencing for people maybe who we might see as our enemy, but understanding that God made that person and that God loves them. And as much as he wants relationship with you, he's desperate to have relationship with them. And maybe it'll take us going the second mile with them to show the love of Christ to someone else. The second point is this. Wise men and wise women come bearing gifts. They come bearing gifts. We'll jump right into the story again. In Matthew 2, starting all the way in verse 9. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Let me pause there. How's your joy meter? I love this, that they were filled with joy. Can you imagine the culmination of the journey, all these miles traveling, and they were filled with joy. And I love this idea of joy coming from gratitude. And it's not about not having what you want or what you need. It comes from truly appreciating what you have and the joy that they had in this moment. It continues in verse 11. They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. 
So when we read this story, sometimes we rid these guys, rib these guys a little bit and give them a little bit of hard time. Because you might not know this, but they were a little late to the party. I mean, we put them out there in the manger scene, the nativity, but they weren't really there. They were a couple years late. It took them a long time to follow that star and get where they were going. They couldn't hop on an airplane or a, a train or a car. It took some time to road trip to get there. I mean, imagine how many combos they ate on the way. They just had to get there. And so we were late. And what's with the odd gifts? I mean, those are pretty extreme. And if you've ever seen this before, there's a, a meme. It goes around usually every year on Christmas on social media. And it says this, maybe instead of the wise men, maybe it should have been the wise women. If it was wise women, they would have asked for directions. They would have arrived on time. They would have helped deliver the baby, cleared the stable, made a casserole, and if certain, they would have brought practical gifts. What kid wants myrrh? I mean, come on, someone. That's a pretty strange thing to bring to someone. I mean, maybe they could have got him some Robux, or maybe a, a toy would have been nicer. Maybe an iTunes gift card or the latest PS5. That would have been awesome. But gold, frankincense, and myrrh? It doesn't make a lot of sense. But when you understand it in the context of Jesus' story, it makes a lot of sense. See, as they were going to Bethlehem to begin with, they were going there for a census, and they were going, ready for this drum roll, someone. You think it's new? They they were going to pay taxes. As long as there's been human history, there's been taxes. And Joseph was going to pay taxes. I mean, he needed to empty it all out, pay those taxes. So here they are, broke, living far away. And now what are they going to do? See, King Herod finds out about Jesus being born. And so he does something crazy. He's going to kill all of the young men under the age of two years old. And so Jesus has to flee with his mom and dad, Mary and Joseph. They have to get out of there. They have to be refugees. But how are they going to do it? They're broke. They just paid all their money, the taxes. They just traveled. They've been living out. So how are they going to do this? And you know how they do it? They do it with gold. Because gold spends anywhere. You can spend it there in Bethlehem. You can also spend it worth where they went. They fled to Egypt and they led there for a time. And it lent themselves to the miracle of Jesus' life being spared and the story of Jesus' life. It was a big deal that they had that gold to be able to do that. And here's something I want to get. I want to pause so you get this today. Is that your gift is someone else's miracle. Your gift, your generosity, you giving of your time, you giving of your resources, your finances, that your gift is someone else's miracle. And friends, you may never know on this side of eternity what your simple gift, what seemed insignificant to you, or maybe it was a great sacrifice. I don't know where it fits on that scale. But I want you to hear me say this today, that your gift, you're doing something, you making that sacrifice, you giving, it is absolutely making the difference in someone else's life. One of the greatest Christmas movies ever. It's a wonderful life. And I hope you've seen it before. And, and George Bailey is someone who really struggling. He's going through a hard time. He's really, his life's come to a really difficult point. And he thinks it's better that he would never been born before. And I'm, hopefully I'm not, you know, spoiling for any of you. You've probably seen it. If you haven't seen it, why the heck have you not seen it? It's a wonderful life. It's like greatest Christmas movie ever. And my, my wife loves this movie. It's such a great movie. But George is going through a hard time. And he's like, man, it'd be better if I wasn't born at all. And he gets this opportunity to see what it would have been like if he wasn't born. And one of the most, most amazing parts of the story is that he had a younger brother, Harry. And when they were children, he actually saves his life. And in the story, it shows that if he wasn't born, that Harry later went to the military, he became a Medal of Honor recipient because of something amazing that he did to save thousands of soldiers' lives. And had he not been there to save his brother, his brother would have died and never had that opportunity. And so begin to see the ripple effect of what our life, the impact that we make in other people's lives and the same thing is true for us. 
that you might not understand the ripple effect that your generosity has. You may never understand what it looks like teaching a child to follow after Jesus or helping them sing a worship song or memorize a Bible verse or leading someone in worship or leading someone in a, in a small group or sharing your story, your breakthrough, your story of your hope in Jesus Christ with someone or giving financially or helping someone or coming alongside someone and being a support and a shoulder for them to lean on. You may never understand on this side of eternity but your life and your generosity makes a difference in the lives of others. Friends, if you've been investing here in Treeline, can I say even during this year, 2020, which has been so difficult for us, where it just seems so distant and so hard as you've continued to give financially, that we have continued to be able to do amazing things, that you know if you've supported Treeline financially, not only have you helped us as a church do things internally, but you've also helped some other people that we helped a church plant this year get started financially. Can you believe that? Matter of fact, we've helped about a half dozen church plants in our short two-year history. And that happens because of your generosity. That there are churches here in Pittsburgh and all across the country and people that you will never meet. But because of your generosity, you've enabled them now an opportunity to experience the love of God. That even right now that we've helped missionaries and we've helped send missions across the world, that even right now that we support campus life ministries right here in our own community, enabling men and women to go onto our campuses with the message and the good news of the gospel. And can we be honest, this generation needs it more than ever. That we support a Chi Alpha, a college ministry. And right now there are people living on a college campus who are helping and teaching college students at most critical crossroads of their life understand the love of Jesus, the love that God has for them and enabling them and equipping them to become lifelong followers of Jesus, all happening because of your generosity. And within Treeline that you're enabling small groups. And I love the testimonies that I get from our small groups of hearing people say how much they mean to them, the encouragement that they give get during those moments and the life that they get. And that all happens because of you. The people who've made a first time commitment to following after Jesus and become followers of him. That happens because you give. Real ministry takes real dollars and that happens because of you. People finding connections, moving to the area, needing a church to get connected with and finding life. People finding purpose and places to serve and to give back. It all happens in people experiencing the joy that comes from being connected to the body of Christ and being involved with the local body of Christ and body of believers. Friends, it all happens because of your generosity, because of your giving, that your life and your generosity makes a difference and your gift is someone else's miracle. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 says, it's, it is possible to give away and become richer. Doesn't seem to make sense, does it? It's also possible to hold on too tightly and lose everything. Yes, the liberal man shall be rich. By watering others, he waters himself. As I was preparing this message this week and I read this verse, it just leapt out at me. And if we're talking about Christmas stories, we might as well talk about Ebenezer Scrooge, right? And talk about a Christmas story. If he was such a miser, he held on to everything. He was such a cheapskate and such a hardened, horrible person. And when did he find joy? When he began to live his life for others and give it all away. And Proverbs 11 called it so well. It said, by watering others, you water yourself. Translation, when you give your life away, you receive life. It's not about holding on all to it tightly. It's about giving yourself away. And when you do this, you will find life for yourself. Friends, when you serve, 
when you give, when you go out of your way to seek God, when you go out of your way to be generous and give and serve, it's amazing to see, yes, what it does for all the people who are recipients of that love, all the people who are recipients of those gifts and those generosity. But there's something that it does deep inside of us. There's a joy that we experience that we can only find when we give ourselves away. Friends, what would the world look like Would the light of the world, the light of Jesus, be able to shine even brighter if each and every one of us chose to be a reflection of his light? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to celebrate the birth of Jesus. God, I thank you in this Christmas season that we would be reminded to the joy to the world that has come, Lord, your Savior, your love that you had for us, the gift of Jesus. God, I pray as we celebrate that, that we would be reminded of this lesson that the wise men have showed us, God, that we would still inconvenience ourselves to seek you. God, that we would do some things to challenge ourselves to follow after you. God, that we would do some things to give ourselves away, to invest in the lives of others. And God, that we would continue to bring gifts and be generous. God, with our time, with our resources, with our finances, God, recognizing as we give it all away to build your kingdom, God, that every investment that we make, everything that we lay down, everything that we give, everything we sow into your kingdom and other people's lives will come back to us in such a rich way, in the ways that we need it, Father. God, I thank you. I thank you for the season, the reminder of the Son, Jesus, that you gave to us as the gift to the world. God, I pray that no matter what we're going through, no matter the depression or despair, the loneliness, the isolation that we may be going through this year in this season or the real hurt and pain, the struggle that we've been dealing with, that God, in the midst of it all, we would be reminded of the joy that has entered the world, the light of the world, and the darkness could not overcome it. And God, I just pray today that even a small portion of that light would just shine into our hearts today and we'd be reminded of your goodness in your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, thank you so much for joining us. Don't hesitate to reach out. If there's something we can do or be praying for you, let us know. We love getting text, emails, messages from you, letting us know how we can be praying for you, how we can support you. And just a reminder, we have one more opportunity to gather together on Christmas Eve. If you want to be a part of that, we're getting together with our friends at Hill City Church, a new life fellowship. We're coming together for a Christmas Eve service. Uh, You need to register for that online so we know how many people to expect. So find the links for that on all of our social media pages and on our website and our homepage. We're so excited to do that, and we're just so thankful to have you with us today. Merry Christmas again, friends. We love you, and we look forward to connecting with you real soon. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.